This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick, a lot to get to uh, today, but we're going to start off with a bang. The Secretary of State for Minnesota is Steve Simon. He's kind enough today to join us to talk about tomorrow's upcoming election. Mr. Secretary, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks for Oh, do we lose you? Hear me? Oh yeah, I, I can hear you. I can hear you now. There, there, you popped in and out for a second. There, I was a little worried. <laughs> you just said thanks for having me. I appreciate. It. Oh, okay, you are cutting out quite a bit there, so I'm not sure if it is something. I'll tell you what. Let's try to. Why don't we, why, Patrick, go, go ahead and pot him down and try to connect here and see if we can get a reconnection on this and see if we can get this all set up here if we can because he he was cutting out pretty bad there on the phone. Um, I do well. A lot to get to. Like I said, the Trump trial today. Which, yeah, uh, I'm going to take and talk a little bit extensively about the New York Times poll because there are some things to not fear fear about, but there are some things that I definitely want to bring some attention to in regards to that. Uh, So there, there is that. And then uh, Michael Broadcorp. If you did not see the Vikings game yesterday, it was weird weird we won but it was weird (laughs) it was a very weird game and i think there's a lot of reasons to feel pretty good today if you're a vikes fan and stuff like that michael broadcorp will join us to talk about that a little bit later on and then we'll uh what we'll do is uh uh, you know also talk to him just real briefly about the um um about the the elections coming up tomorrow as well. So uh, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number uh, for us today. But no, it is election day tomorrow. And I've had some interesting conversations and discussions today. That's for sure. And uh, it's in regards to to the election. I'll get to all that here in just a little bit. Uh, But uh, we're good to go. We're good to go. Mr. Uh, Secretary, thank you very much. I appreciate the time now. Sure. Is this better? That's a lot better. That's a lot better. You were cutting out very bad there. I I appreciate the callback. Um, Tomorrow, Election Day, standard off your stuff here. It's a lot of city council races, school boards. That's primarily what we're looking at, right? That's right. There are some special elections as well, but you're right. Local offices, not partisan offices. There's nobody running with a partisan designation. So that's an interesting factor as well. Now, did you say you did say some special elections? Is there any particular ones that I, I can't remember? I know that the, there's an the open house seat in in that but in uh, Minneapolis, I believe it is, but I don't think that's that's on the ballot or in, in the South no. Metro. That's not in the ballot till it's a special election, correct? That's right. That's a, that's at a later time. That's not tomorrow. All right, but but you know, for the most part, it, it's this is and, and you and I have talked about this before. 
These are the people. As we talk, we focus so much on presidential elections and national elections. The reality is you are far more impacted by your local city council and school board than you will ever be about a national election because that is your day-to-day existence, correct? Yeah. I mean, this is about quality of life. The folks who are on the ballot tomorrow, city council, school board, mayors, and others, this there is a direct correlation. You can connect the dots very, very quickly between who gets elected to these offices and quality of life, whether it's snow plowing or street cleaning or uh, trash or curriculum in a school or how a city is run or property tax rates. This is where it happens. And I would add, for your listeners' benefit, and they probably already know this, these can tend to be very close contests. Every single year that I've been in office, every single year, we've had one or more local contests that are either tied or decided by a single vote. Hmm. We already had one earlier this year. It happens. So not only are they really important in terms of direct quality of life, but every individual voter can really make an impact. These are tight contests very often. Well, and you do say that these are non-political, but the reality is is that there there has been some political input in a lot of these races. I'll look at the school board races. I mean, there's been multiple reports in the news lately about some, you know, outside PAC organizations with clear political agendas kind of pushing for certain people out there. How do you manage – obviously, you want to have the integrity of having a nonpartisan election. How do you manage that when there are clearly external forces that are pushing one way or the other? Yeah, well, I think you put your finger on it. Nonpartisan isn't the same as nonpolitical. <laughs> nonpartisan simply means that people aren't running on the ballot explicitly as Democrats, Republicans, or something else. They can be political in the sense that um, there are interests that um, have a stake in the outcome on all sides, particularly in these school board races, but you're reading and hearing about in cities, in the bigger cities like Minneapolis and St. Paul, same thing, people who band together, who pool their funds together in order to get certain outcomes on the city council level. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly normal, uh, but it does mean, you're right, that they still can be political um, but the one thing I would say about these local contests, even when there's outside money or inside money involved, they still are primarily local contests. Sure, there are themes that transcend local boundaries, but basically speaking, they're about those local communities. They're about local issues. They're about local concerns. And it's harder to, not impossible, but it's harder to sort of nationalize these things. I understand there are certain sort of cultural aspects to you know, school board races that's true. But but generally speaking, these are really local contests about local issues. And that makes them, I'd say, refreshingly different from some of the other elections in other years. Your your office has done a, a fantastic job. And I want to let, let's make sure I mention right now the website, because this is yeah. such a great tool for anyone out there who wants to find out who's on their ballot, if they're registered to vote, where they vote. What is the website? MNVotes.gov. That's M-N-V-O-T-E-S. MNVotes.gov, as you said, uh, allows you to do a number of things. First, if you're not sure, if your listeners aren't sure, hey, you know, in my area, yeah, I saw a couple signs for mayor, but is city council up in our area, or do we have a school board election? Just go to MNVotes.gov. You'll see the obvious feature there. It says My Vote feature. You just enter your address, and up will come a sample ballot complete with links to candidate websites if they have a website, so you'll be able to know who the candidates are, what the contests are in your area. Likewise with the polling place. Maybe you're not sure where your polling place is. Same thing. 
input your address, and up will come the polling place where you go tomorrow. And remember, Minnesota has same-day or election-day voter registration. So if you need to register or re-register to vote, maybe you just moved, maybe you had a name change, whatever the reason is, you can do that right there on game day. Just stroll into the polling place, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., 13 hours, and you can do both things there. You can register slash re-register and vote. One seamless transition and one seamless uh, way to do it tomorrow. One of the things I find interesting is you talk about with the cities. Most people know what city they live in. The school board can be interesting. I'm in, I'm in Hopkins, uh, you know, so, you know, you, you which has parts of Edina and Eden Prairie and, and Minnetonka and Hopkins itself. And, you know, it goes all over the place. So that's one that uh, I've had friends of mine who are interested. They're going to have kids. They want to find out more about the school board, but they might not have any idea what school district they're in that your, your website as well, mnvotes.gov, will help help as well and help them figure out what school board that they will be voting in. Yeah, I hope so. And people make a lot of use of that website for that purpose. And I don't blame people. People have things to do and lives and jobs and families, and they might not know exactly what is on their ballot tomorrow, if anything, or there might be just some justifiable um, mix-up. And so just go to that website, input your address, and you'll see right there, up will come the ballot. These are the contests. These are the candidates. If you wish, you can click on their website if they have one, and it'll tell you your polling place as well. Will your site tell people if they're in a community where ranked choice voting is the way it's done? Uh, no, not explicitly, no. And, and we have five communities. I can say what that is right now for your listeners' sake. Please. We have five communities in Minnesota that use ranked choice voting. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnetonka, St. Louis Park, and Bloomington. Those are the five. There are some others on deck who are considering it. Uh, but those are the five right now. And in one of those places, in Minnetonka, there is a ranked choice voting. And there's also a ballot question on whether to repeal ranked choice voting. So that's going on in the city of Minnetonka. And it's, it's, it's a yes or no question. So not technically, it's not a ranked choice voting issue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. not ranked choice Ironically, voting. right. Yes. yes. Um, it does, you know, there, there are, you know, once again, that's an interesting thing. And when she said Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnetonka, St. Louis Park, and Bloomington, you have the ranked choice voting. Um, it is interesting to see that, you know, I've, I talked to some people who love it. I talk to some people that don't like it. It is really – it is a unique thing that we've not been used to in this country. And so to bring it in, it's, it, it does get, it, it does get a, a, the, the myriad of reactions. Yeah, that's right. I mean my own view is, hey, let's see more laboratories. Let's make it uh, easier for more cities to experiment if they wish just for local contests, for, for city council, for school board, uh, for, for mayor, that sort of thing, for local contests. Let's get – more laboratories out there. We've got five now. It would be great if we had a lot more. And then, as a state, uh, folks can decide, you know, what direction they want to go for. Do they want to expand it? Do they not? And incidentally, any city can choose to do it on a limited basis or a permanent basis. They can roll it back if they want. And so no one is is, is frozen. And, and I just favor more options uh, for cities who want to experiment with this. Well, and, and there are some people, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about it before. I could to a point, I mean, if Minnetonka chooses after tomorrow, we'll find out whether they choose to revoke it. At least they tried it. And I think that that's, as you said, that those laboratories, those experience, I think that that's, that's the important thing. There's nothing wrong with trying something and then repealing it later if you don't like it. 
Right, and that goes with um, all sorts of other uh, ways of voting throughout Minnesota. Not so much like ranked choice voting, but there are other things that local governments can can revoke or, or or toggle back and forth between. I just think there ought to be that maximum flexibility. As long as it meets the standards of election integrity and honesty and accuracy, um, I think it should be up to local folks to decide whether they want to experiment with a particular system like ranked choice voting. You you are a person, Secretary of State Steve Simon joining us. You are a person who wants information for the masses, and that's one of the things I love about you. I think it's one of the reasons you're the best Secretary of State in the country is that you just want an informed populace that votes, and that's important. One of the things I think is interesting, your website will tell you who you're voting for, but in the traditional past, we have had, especially the suburban areas, we have had you know, local papers that have had breakdowns in just a, a standard right. questionnaire. They'll talk to the city council, the school boards. It's getting harder and harder. In rural Minnesota, they still have a lot of local districts out there where they have that ability. But in in, in the kind of the, the suburbs, I've noticed it's, it is harder at times to find the information. And and I think that that's important. I, I give a lot of con, uh, you, know, you know credit to the League of Women Voters. They do a lot of great work with that. Yeah. But I think that it is important, you know, making sure we have – the, the the candidates accessible so people can understand their positions, I think, is an important part. I think that's right. And you're absolutely right to point out that it can feel like it's harder. I mean, with the big national races or statewide races, there, there's no shortage of sources, whether it's newspapers or online forums or anything. If you want information about who's running for those jobs, it's much easier. But if you're looking for information that's not just in the candidate's own words, like their website, um, which can be helpful and is helpful, but uh, it is in many cases pe- people feel it's not enough. That can be harder. You're right. The League of Women Voters. I don't know if you're if you or your listeners saw today's uh, Star Tribune lead editorial was a huge pat on the back for the statewide League of Women Voters for all the work that they do to make sure citizens are informed. And many league chapters do online or other newsletters or materials. They host candidate forums, and they provide a sort of um, a place to go for more information about the candidates. I, I will say that some of the regional newspapers do a pretty good job, the Star yeah. Tribune or the Pioneer Press as well. But you're right, it, 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 it's a little bit harder sometimes, or it can feel that way, to find information, credible information about the candidates for local office. Uh, referendums as well. Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of them are school referendums that when they do show up on ballots. Are there a lot across the state this year or just a few? No, there are quite a few, actually, and not just on schools. For example, the city of St. Paul is voting on a sales tax measure that would dedicate money to road improvements. So that's been a, a focal point of the candidates' uh, discussions in the city of St. Paul. And there are other like contests throughout the state that are referenda of some kind. You're right. It's mostly school-based, but not only. And those tend to be, um, you know, spirited conversations for sure, <laughs> uh, depending on where you live. Oh, it, it, it's, it's, first of all, it's good to talk with you again. You, you know, you are, it's, it's always so nice to have someone who's so good at their job, uh, you know, to talk with, especially about this. It is, it, it, I'm going to give you the floor once again here. This is an important thing. There's a tendency of not focusing on these off year elections. The reality is, is for everyone out there, these elections are in some ways far more important than any other election because it's going to dictate a lot of what happens in your local community. Absolutely. I think that these contests that are on the ballot tomorrow, straight shot quality of life issues, whether it's a school, city council, a mayor, these are about every day the services that affect the quality of your life. 
and they are off in close contests. So get out there and vote tomorrow if you haven't already. 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. are the polling hours. Again, our website is mnvotes.gov, mnvotes.gov. That's where you can find out where your polling place is, who or what is on your ballot, other useful, helpful uh, hints and tips about Election Day. And may I recommend to everyone, take your teenager, if they're not yet, old enough yet to vote, oh, yeah. take your teenager with you to the ballots. My kids, my two older kids, they vote every time. My youngest is 16, same thing, taking her to the polls tomorrow. I want to make sure she knows how to do it and that it's no big surprise because it is so important that everyone gets out there and votes, especially when they get to the point when they're they're legal to do so, especially now that we have the uh, the new automatic registration for 16-year-olds, right? We have automatic voter registration, and we have pre-registration for 16- and 17-year-olds in Minnesota. allows them to get in line, so to speak, for registration by filling out the same form. Uh, and then if everything checks out, uh, then on their 18th birthday, they automatically join the ranks of voters registered to vote in Minnesota. Outstanding. mnvotes.gov, mnvotes.gov. I'll link to it all later on. Secretary of State Steve Simon. Uh, Mr. Secretary, as always, an absolute privilege to chat with you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, let's take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Oh, everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. If you want to run away with me, I know a galaxy and I can take you AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205, Secretary of State Steve Simon, how solid is he? Um, it, 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 I'd say this every single year. Trust me when I say to you, you are going to be affected far more by this election tomorrow than you likely will by any national election that happens. Don't get me wrong. There are impacts. And obviously, when you, you know, look at presidential races, I think we've got a good lesson in, in, in Donald Trump that if you basically take a, a, take a, an election off and you put a really horrible person in there, the, the ripple effects of that can go on for decades. And we're going to be looking at that with the Supreme Court and, and the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the other agenda items that they have out there that they basically want to push forward. Now, that all being said, your local community, I mean, it, 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 you're dealing with your, your local water lines, your local sewer lines, trust me, those matter. Your local roads, especially your neighborhood roads, those matter. Your local schools, and don't give me this crud about, I don't have any kids, I don't know what, just shut up, dude. You need, at some point, you're going to need an educated workforce or educated people to help take care of you or a family member. So God bless them. Public schools have a lot of, a lot of value for sure. So, you know, you need to understand what's going on in your public schools. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, I can't tell you it seems to be a lot of times, especially in, in, in the r- rural Republican areas, there is far more interest in what you don't want to vote for than what you should vote for. And I'm not saying – I mean you can vote. You vote any way you want to. That's how you, that's, the, that's the system. But I can't tell you how many times I have seen people in rural parts of the state – out there talking about, I'm voting against this school referendum. And don't get me wrong. I One of the things, I, I think we definitely need to fix the way we fund our public schools. This The referendums hit smaller communities harder than they hit the suburban schools. 
And and, it, and it's hard. And I can understand that all of a sudden they're coming in and saying we need to put another $100 of, of taxes on a house. I can understand why that's a little hesitant. But I've, I've seen people who have worked really hard to shut down that referendum and high-five each other only two years later to find out their school is closed and merging with another school. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a 10-minute drive to school. It's a 40-minute drive to school. And they're like, whoa, 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 why are they doing this? Well, because you had the chance to invest $100 into your school through your property taxes and keep your school 10 miles away. But when you decided, no, that $100 was more important, guess what? Now you're having to drive 40 miles. Oh, by the way, that $100 every year ain't going to cover your gas on that. That's short-sighted, and you should have thought that through. And it, as well, it's, it's you know, you have these, these you know, school districts where people pass referendums and they, they or they elect school boards who are very, very anti-teacher, very anti-this. And then all of a sudden, every school year, why can't we get teachers to teach? It's a nice quality of life here. Yeah, the, the people you basically called groomers, the people that you basically called tyrants and, and evil and devil people, those people, they, you're, you're shocked. They don't want to come and just walk right in and work for you then, huh? I guess not. So find out what's on your ballot. Obviously, I can tell you right now, it is going to be interesting in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I, if I was to say of two things, of the two things I've seen, or I'll say three. There are three things I have seen this election cycle, which you know seem to be the, the main focus. One is this definitely this Moms for Liberty-esque group that's been pushing for very – very far right wing school board candidates. That's one of them. Minnetonka trying to repeal ranked choice voting. That's very interesting. And like I said, I mean, some people love it. Some people don't love it. It. I don't think, you know, I think you need to take Steve Simon's approach on this if Minnetonka then deserve, does abandon ranked choice voting. If they do, I think what you have to do is look and say, they tried it. They didn't like it. Now, you might argue, well, that it, it, it doesn't give better representation or makes it harder for certain candidates. I, I'm not going to disagree with any of that. But it's up to them. And if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. I will say this. I don't live in Minnetonka. I live in Hopkins. But I can – because it's the same school district, my online presence has been a cavalcade of – Yes or no votes on on the ranked choice voting in Minnetonka. I have seen a lot. That is a, that is an interesting race that's getting a lot of attention. But by far, it's the city council races in Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, primarily Minneapolis. Uh, there is just this. There is a a really bad. There are some problems with the system. I'm not going to deny it. You can't. You you can't you don't you have an endorsement process. You go through the endorsement process. If someone wins the endorsement process, and then other endorsed candidates are you know openly campaigning for the non-endorsed DFL candidate, that that doesn't make any damn sense. And you can say, well, they're doing it as a private citizen. You can't really separate yourself out at that point. You can't just do that. I I, I criticize Republicans when when uh, Mike Tice, the head coach of the Vikings, went down to Rochester to do a big fundraiser for the Republicans and George W. Bush with Red McCombs, and people were saying, "Well, he's going down there as a regular citizen." I said, "No, but he's the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He's wearing a Vikings jersey. He's he's introducing himself as head coach. You can't separate those two things out." 
you can't really do so. So, uh, you know, Minneapolis is a mess. I I just remember when they, they – they, yeah, I will say this. I think it's the hope that the ranked choice voting is going to work for certain entities doesn't seem to be there like it was when they were trying to use ranked choice voting and get rid of uh, Jacob Fry, and it did not work. And it did not work. As a matter of fact, he won another term fairly handily. I have not seen any kind of coordinated efforts one way or the other to try to use ranked choice voting in an aggressive manner like that in Minneapolis this time around. But there's a lot of sore feelings right now in the city of Minneapolis when it comes to this this city council race. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Come on back. I'm going to get into the New York Times poll when I do return because there are some things about it which are scary, but it, it, the reality is is that I, I think you need to step back and realize what is going on, that it's not nearly something's wrong with this poll. Let me be blunt about it, but as well that it's there are some things that we need to start calling out and calling out aggressively. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Yeah, man. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. By the way, it's uh, for the people over at the Guthrie. It is the final week, I believe, for that. How cool is that play? That is amazing. If you haven't heard about this one, it's it's a modern play set in Minneapolis uh, on Franklin Avenue uh, with uh, with a, a, a you know it, it's about a, a community center, a Native American run community center. Uh, the the cast features basically all but one of the cast members is Native American. Um, West freaking studios <laughs> cast is amazing. That's unbelievable. I was like, oh my god, great actor, just a great actor. And 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 it's funny. It's very funny. It's very witty. It's got a lot of great qualities to it. And yeah, a very good a very good play. If you get the chance to see it, it there are not a lot of tickets left for this because it's getting a lot of great reviews. Uh, I would go see it. Uh, it. Very nuanced. A lot of deep topics. Very cool. Very very cool indeed. So go check that out if you can over at the uh, at the at the Guthrie Theater. But once again, I believe this is the last week for that. And I think a lot of the tickets are already gone for it. It was, um, it was almost sold out. I th- well, it might have been sold out. It mi- our showing might have been sold out this weekend. So just keep that in mind. A lot of people are trying to get in there to get tickets. 952-946-6205. Love to see that one go on tour. Love to see that go to New York and go to Broadway. That'd be great. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Yesterday, that was on Saturday. I went and saw the play. Yesterday, uh, I saw the headline from the New York Times that that apparently a poll shows Donald Trump leading in you know, five of the six battleground states. And initially I was really angry about this. I'm like, how in the heck does this even happen? And I got some thoughts and I'm going to get to those thoughts here in just a little bit. But I started – I want to first talk because a lot of people I've, – I've had a lot of people come, come, come and get in touch with me and talk to me about it. It was like, Matt, I mean, uh, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Well, OK. So the first thing I start, I went and started looking at the numbers. And the first one that just shot out at me and said, OK, that's just not true 
was Trump's, you know, if you had to choose today between Trump or Biden, who would you choose for? And they, it was 22% said of, of black voters said they would vote for Trump. And I said, wait a second here. That's almost three times more than voted for him in 2020. I immediately contacted some some uh, members of the African-American community and the media and stuff like that that I, I know. And I asked them point blank, "Is am I missing something? Is, is Trump resonating in the community, uh, the black community more? And they all said no. <laughs> they all said there's one guy said there's one guy that I know that's a big Trump guy. He still is the only person I know that's a big Trump guy. And Trump, when you break down the numbers even more, black men did favor him more than black women. But he just got walloped. And by the way, this is not necessarily anything new. Hillary Clinton, I think, was about an eight. She as well as close to uh, having all, you know, a, a, a massive plurality of the black vote in 2016 versus Biden in 2020. And and so it, this is not new. So but what would be new is all of a sudden. 22% saying now they vote for Trump. And reminder, this is the same Donald Trump who, when at Charlottesville, when the Klan and the racists were attacking people, he said there were good Klan members and good racists. That doesn't add up. And I'm not the only one. Multiple people pointed out that number doesn't seem to make any damn sense whatsoever. But it's the, another poll here. Another element, I went back and looked at the 2020 numbers for 18 to 29-year-olds. Biden beat Trump in that demographic 60 to 35. And I have talked about, and that was in 2020, I have talked about how this Generation Z is coming out. And the more they they come out, the more they want to vote and the more they want to vote against Republican policies. So... The poll there said that Biden was barely beating the young the that Trump in the the eighteen to twenty nine vote forty seven to forty six. Now, I might see, especially with some of the current headlines, and I'm not sure exactly the dates. I, I don't have it in front of me. The dates that the Times did this story, but with some of the current headlines out there, I might see a, a bit of a deterioration of Biden support. But I sure as heck do not see. Trump picking up 11 points with that demographic. I just, that doesn't seem to make sense. That's not something that you are seeing. And I've you know, I've talked to, to people who know the youth vote and they're like, nope, I don't have any idea where they're getting this number. Now, there was another poll before this New York Times poll that came on out. This is the ABC poll. And the one I mocked mercilessly, which said that Trump was leading, leading in 18 to 29 year olds by 20 points. And I said, the minute you saw that number, you should have thrown that poll out because that doesn't make any damn sense. That doesn't make any damn sense whatsoever. There's one thing that would make that poll and the ABC poll and the New York Times poll skew like this. And that is they're not talking to actual people. They're calling majority of landlines. And we have talked about this before with polls. That landlines generally favor more rural voters, more older voters, more Republican voters. But yet most people, one of the things that these traditional polling companies do is they try to call people to get them to be part of the poll, to be part of this element. Most people, if they don't know who the, who's calling their cell phone, do not answer it. And so what you're looking at is – I'm almost – I like I said, I, I mean – 
I look at that poll, and the first thing I say to myself is something's off there because those numbers, those two groups specifically, don't make any damn sense. It is kind of embarrassing that the New York Times is running with us. Why does Biden have a problem with the black community now? Uh, no, your implication is that Trump is all of a sudden resonating with near a quarter of the black community, and that's just not freaking true. That is just not freaking true. So it's, it's you know, they're trying to run with this as re- legit. There are some real problems here. But there are two things I want to make sure we do that are due diligence. The first is I was um, running today, and Kara Swisher is a podcaster who does a lot of tech stuff and stuff like that. And she was on – I was listening while I was running. I was listening to the Smartless podcast, and that's the Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, Will Arnett. It's very good. It's very funny. And I started listening to it. And Will Arnett brings up the point about Elon Musk. Now, once again, not a political figure, but – and he points out that Elon Musk has now been caught outright lying. I mean, it's not that Elon Musk hasn't been successful. It isn't that he's, he doesn't – he isn't somewhat – you know, understandable and maybe a little bit tech savvy when it comes to electric cars or space programs or stuff like this. But he's lied about a bunch of degrees that he's had and stuff like this. And it's just stupid. It's just stupid. And our neck goes to Kara Swisher, who covers this stuff and says, why is he just lying? And immediately now this is Kara Swisher. She is not basically a big fan of Elon Musk, but she immediately starts trying to downplay his lies as something misunderstood. That's, we've got to talk about the media right now because the most laughable statement you will hear is the the media leans left. (laughs) No, it doesn't. In the case of Kara Swisher here on the Smartless podcast, if, if I were to say, that I had college degrees from colleges I did not have degrees from. I don't think Kara Swisher would have any problem saying, you're lying. But yet it's Elon Musk. And what's the problem here? She doesn't want to lose access to Elon. So if she comes on out and said, yep, he's lying, he's a liar, that might prevent her from getting access to Elon Musk at a future date. It's the same thing that goes on with sports media. Absolutely. I remember when this is back in the 70s, there was a guy for the Hartford Whalers that was a media guy that covered the Hartford Whalers out in Connecticut who so angered the team, they banned him from being inside unless he apologized, which he refused to do. So he was doing his sports cast on the Whalers outside the Whalers arena. It was pretty hilarious. They won't let me in today. Oh, God, just classic 70s sportscaster stuff. But today, the sportscasters are basically bought off with tickets and trinkets, bobbleheads, all these things. And trust me, especially the NFL, the NFL has put forward a model which basically prevents them from ever really being criticized for their behavior. Even when it came to building a monstrosity of a stadium for a massive amount of taxpayer dollars, you didn't hear any sports people in this town complain about the cost outside of Patrick Royce. And I'll give Royce credit on that. 
But no one else said a damn thing about the cost until after the stadium was approved. And then finally, it's like, well, but I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, that would have been a good discussion to have before that money was allocated. But you see, is you didn't want to do that because you want your bobblehead. You didn't want to do that because you want your, your commemorative towel. You didn't want to do that because of that. And, and so it's compromised. And Kira Swisher just is, she's just showing that that mentality has now evolved into covering other things. In that case, tech news. She doesn't want to upset Elon Musk. She doesn't want to make them mad. So by calling him a liar when he's lying, she can't do that. So she's already compromised her journalistic integrity to basically try to keep the access available. See? Let's turn that on Trump. How many times? I mean, Trump is a liar. He is a consummate liar. He lies all the time. The, what was it? The 22 lies per day while he was in the White House? In, in just an insane amount of lies. He is undeniably a liar. When was the last time you saw a national news outlet call him a liar? Edward R. Morrow would have called him the biggest liar that's ever lived. Walter Cronkite would have called him the biggest liar that ever lived. Not because they had a political agenda, because they have freaking ears. That's why. And they would not allow him. And the second that he started saying, you're liberals, he would have said, no, you're just a liar. And now you're floundering. Today, the news media, they don't want to lose that access to Trump. So, you know, he's just a misunderstood businessman. No, he's a liar. He's a liar. You can say it. Why can't you say it? The media is compromised. It is compromised beyond belief. I've talked about, I'll I'll give the great example I brought up. If you've paid attention to any of Trump's speeches at any of his rallies in the last year, he is clearly on having a mental decline. He doesn't make any sense. He's, he just there's, There are long parts where he just is babbling incoherently. And yet not a single news outlet is out there saying, you know, he doesn't sound like he's well. He doesn't sound like he's making – can we go through his, his, his speech here? Because there are multiple times where it did not sound like he knew what he was talking about. Nope, they don't do that. But if Joe Biden was to say one thing wrong, it would be Joe Biden's losing his mind because that's what it is. I'm not talking about right-wing news. I'm talking about the traditional news, Star Tribune, Pioneer Press, the TV stations – the national media, the New York Times, they have gotten to the point where their natural state is to basically, the boy, those Democrats can't get out of their own way, versus the Republicans. Look at those Republicans sticking together. When when we had the the, the Speaker of the House, which once again was historic, was a historic level of incompetency. We've never had a Speaker mishap like this ever before how many national news outlets continue to blame democrats for republican votes they just can't help themselves that's a big problem and it's not just out in rural america where not only is the only news that these people see fed through a right-wing talking point machine but they've also now gotten to the point where they have brainwashed these people that if they hear anything that actually counters that right-wing narrative their immediate response is well that's just a lie that's a conspiracy theory that's not true 
And, and, and that is the true evilness of what's going on here. You have a bunch of people who are being hurt every single day by Republican and conservative policies who have been brainwashed into saying, kick me in the groin one more time, please. That's who they are. So you, you, you have to look at the news media as the failure here. But I also as well want to make sure I point to the Democrats. <sighs> Democrats, there's a crapload of money to try to get you to sit out or vote for someone else's upcoming election. We are talking already insane, copious millions of dollars is being spent to basically try to get you to vote for either Trump or no one else. I want to make sure you understand something. You may wish there was a third candidate up there. There's not. Is Don? Is is Joe Biden really my, my perfect candidate? I like him a lot. There are a few things I disagree with him about. Still voting for him. Why? Because I've always said the same thing. I consider Joe Biden kind of a a, a nice sandwich from Jersey Mike's. Donald Trump is an actual crap sandwich. Someone went to the bathroom between two slices of bread, and there it is. That's Donald Trump. It's unedible, horrible, and can kill you. I'm going with the edible food, okay? That's how I look at it. At worst, Joe Biden is an Arby's beef and cheddar. I've talked about this before. That's the worst case scenario. That Joe Biden is the worst thing as that. He still is something edible. Mm. He still is something edible versus the actual crap sandwich that is Donald Trump. But the news media and everyone and, and the Republicans are spending a heck of a lot of money to say to you, look at this delicious crap sandwich. And that and say to you, you don't want Joe Biden anymore. More crap sandwich? That's what they're doing. And the news media, and I don't give a rat's caboose, this is, this is clearly getting to a point where they, they do not have a filter on their system at all, and it's only about basically pandering to a right-wing narrative, and it is really disturbing to watch on a national level. There are some news outlets that have some decency to them. The vast majority of them, they're, it's clear that they've been corrupted because they're now pandering to their advertising department. And a lot of the advertising comes from conservatives, and they don't want to hear about these liberals. So everything has to be put through the liberals bad, Republican good filter. But Democrats, let me make sure I say something to you. I get it. You're not happy with him on some issues. I get it. Some of these issues are very serious and near and dear to your heart. Do you understand? Donald Trump put babies in cages. Donald Trump likely killed a million people through his frustration that he wasn't the smartest guy in the room when the pandemic hit. And after he got out of office, basically undermined every effort by the Biden administration to try to save as many people as possible for political leverage. And Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government of the United States of America because he had a temper tantrum and he did not want to accept that he lost. If he gets another term, Sodomy laws come back. Gay marriage is going to be illegal. Heck, gay rights are going to disappear. You're going to have massive cuts. Public education is probably gone. Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security is probably gone. He will, and he will not leave office. Women won't, you won't have contraception anymore. Contraception will be made illegal. Well, except for wealthy white Republican guys, they'll get tons of it. But everyone else, not at all. You have to understand what's at stake here. And 
if there is any legitimacy to this poll, and like I said, I think that this poll is flawed. I think that as well, this is also a bit of an outcome of the news media basically playing favorites. But the reality is, is if you're stupid enough as a Democrat to think to yourself, maybe I should vote for anybody, but who's the Democratic nominee? You're an idiot because there's only two options on the ballot. Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And as much as they're trying to convince you that crap sandwich is delicious, take a bite. The reality is it will kill you and it will will destroy your rights. Yes, there is a difference. And if you're too stupid to remember that from 2016, well, I can't help you. But I'm going to be damned if I'm going to go down without a fight. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. No, I am I am truly bothered by the stunning lack of, of, of memory from some Democrats who basically almost look like, you know, they're, they're, and I've talked about this before. There's a problem that, that exists within the Democratic Party that there's too many dreamers and there are too many people. They want to have that end of the movie. They walk arm in arm into the sunset, smiling and dancing and roll credits. We're done. And I mean, it's, it's 2008 to 2010 is a prime example of that. 2008, we elected the first non-white male president. Great. And then 2010, every Democrat basically decided to you know, not everyone, but a large portion decided to stay at home. And it was funny because the day after, or funny as in terrifying to the soul, but in the day after that, when they realized how badly they screwed up, how many of the Democrats who had been bashing on the Affordable Care Act were like, you know, the Affordable Care Act was actually a pretty good bill. Why didn't we campaign more on it? I don't know, idiots. I don't know. Uh, it really cost us. 2016 showed us how bad things can get. And we have had three pretty good votes for Democrats in the last three elections, 2018, 2020, and 2022. The Republican Party is desperate. I mean, is desperate to basically get you to stay at home in 2024. And you can never stay at home for an election again. Tomorrow, and I'll talk about this when we come back. Far-right school board candidates will take over school boards across the state. And I do not want to go back through what had happened when I first started on this station, where you had school districts where they were basically saying the rights of the bullies supersede the rights of the kids who are getting bullied as kids were committing suicide because they were being bullied to death as the school boards went, yay, get them. I'm not going to go through that crap again. Holy God. You have got – you cannot take off tomorrow. You cannot. And frankly, the, considering how many people work from home, this is not a real big sacrifice. Go get – just go vote. The reality is is that, that it, it, in 2024, there might be a Supreme Court seat that comes open. There might. Alito and Thomas are not young. Roberts looks like he's aging like the portrait of Dorian Gray at this point. So the question then becomes, well, do you want the Republicans? Because I guarantee you, if the Republicans win in 2024, what's the first thing that's going to happen? Alito and Thomas will announce their retirement. Republicans get a, to basically put two more Supreme Court justices on that, and that court will stay that way for until 2050. 2050. No, you, you've, got, you've got to show up every election. And I get it. Sometimes you say to yourself, 
I don't like him. I don't. He's still a freaking Arby's beef and cheddar at worst. The other side is an actual crap sandwich. And if you, and like I said, there is no other option. That's it. We can try to argue about the third party system, all this stuff. That's irrelevant. It's going to be the Democratic nominee versus the Republican nominee. And if you don't vote for the Democratic nominee, you're basically voting for the Republican nominee. And I've seen how this plays out. It's not good. So, what are you going to do? Well, go out and vote. Election day is tomorrow. Make sure you take care of that. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday, post daylight savings time. And once again, I I did, by the way, in the social media posts out there, Patrick, repost the daylight savings time research, for lack of a better way to say it, the research I did on it after I had a, a Democrat come on and talk about it doesn't save us any money. I did the research. It actually does still save us money. Uh, a lot of it, actually, too. And it's kind of surprising. And still yet today, I've had a lot of people say, well, why haven't they gotten rid of it yet? I thought they were going to get rid of it. There is no consensus whatsoever between whether we stay on daylight savings time all year long or just go back to standard time all year long. And there are very large groups entrenched on either side of this. This was not something I think they thought about that much at all. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't think daylight savings time is going to go away. The problem is... The way that these arguments are going, you're going to end up with a patchwork of about 50 different states doing 50 different things, kind of like Australia, which well, eh, not quite the cleanest example. But, you know, that's the best I can think of is you have, you know, every state thinks, well, this is better for us, so we're going to do it this way. And that would just be a huge mess. Most of, by the way, most of the anti-daylight savings time research I saw is pretty much all based on one report that was done, I believe, by Harvard. I believe by Harvard. That basically only looked at domestic use in Indiana only. And that's their entire basis. But it doesn't look at uh, commercial. It doesn't look at you know uh, industrial. It doesn't look at military. It doesn't look at uh, ju- uh, the, the government's use of it, uh, the municipal use. doesn't look at any of that, which is really the larger aspect of it all. And and that's that's kind of... There, so there's always there's always been a little bit of a dishonesty from the anti-daylight savings time people because – and the reality is this, is to do the full research, and I actually talk about this in the blog, this is an amazingly large research paper. This is not something that you could do easily. I mean even the government has been somewhat hesitant to do this on a large scale. Rand Corporation did a little bit of it, but it is something that's out there when you look at all the different energies that are saved, municipal, military, and business industrial – Along with domestic and domestic, yes, domestic seems to not be nearly the the cost saver it used to be. But with everything else, you end up saving money. So, and frankly, I enjoyed the extra hour of sleep this weekend. That was nice. Yeah, I'll state my view on it is, you know, you were talking a a little bit before that, you know, you kind of have two very well dug in camps on either side of this issue. And I've always seen it as that, you know, in a, in a, you know, we like to be able to get up when it's not dark, get home after work when it's not dark. And in a North American winter, of course, you can't have both of those things. No, so, yeah. so it kind of comes down to which one of those things do I prefer? Do I like getting up 
when it's light out? Do I like having some time after work when it's light out? Well, and, and remember Minneapolis too. I think at, in, at December twenty first, isn't it? The sun doesn't come up to like seven forty anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and it goes down like four ten in the afternoon. So you know, it's not as bad as Winnipeg. I was up in Winnipeg. I'm like, wow, this place is Winnipeg. I couldn't live there. That is a little. Odd. You get long days in the summer, but. It gets tough, man. The darkness. I've always said this. I don't get bothered by cold in Minnesota. It doesn't bother me. The darkness kind of bothers me a little bit. Two stories for you here. Um, and by the way, Broadcorp coming up here to talk Vikings at the bottom of the hour. Minneapolis man was accidentally shot in the leg by his hunting partner during the firearms deer opener over the weekend. Becker County Sheriff's Office said the incident happened in Forest Township on the White Earth Reservation with the 40-year-old taken to an ambulance to Sanford Hospital in Bemidji. The hunting partner's uh, the man's hunting partner was checking to see if that gun was unloaded when he accidentally fired, hitting the victim in the leg. So I guess it wasn't unloaded. Unless you dropped it, I'm presuming you pulled the trigger to see if it was loaded. And yeah, okay. Further problems presented as the pair were on the way to the hospital as a vehicle they were traveling in broke down. They were found by paramedics, however, with the man taken for the hospital for treatment for non-life-threatening injuries. So that's good news. There's an opening weekend of firearm season in Minnesota. It follows a youth deer firearm season in which at least two people were injured in accidental shootings. Do not aim the gun at a human being. For God's sakes, whatever happened to Gun Safety 101? Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. I want to mention this. This this was actually uh, a, a very sweet moment. Uh, did you you didn't go to the Twin Cities Comic Con that we had? Did you at all? I did not know. Um, of course, that was that was here in town, and you know, good fun had by all. You know, a lot of I've seen quite a few pictures of the uh, the people out there dressed up and and doing the. Uh, um, Doing the, the their favorite uh, hero or whatever you might want to call it, you know, cosplaying whoever they want to be. Uh, Blues Cruise, the guy from Blues Clues was there, Steve Burns. He was at Comic Con. There was an emotional moment captured at the Twin Cities Comic Con or Twin Cities Con in Minneapolis this past weekend, where the girlfriend of the late George Floyd asked a question to Steve Burns, the former host of the popular children's show Blues Clues. Burns came back into the spotlight in 2021 where he addressed those who'd been watching the show and his children after a year in which America had experienced the COVID-19 pandemic and the civil unrest sparked by the murder of George Floyd by police in Minneapolis. In the video posted to Twitter, in an in-character Burns told the now grown-up viewers of his show how proud he was of them. On Saturday, Floyd's girlfriend, Courtney Ross, was among those who asked a question of Burns during a Q&A at the Minneapolis Convention Center, saying how much the video helped her and so many others heal at the time when they really needed it. And she asked Burns what inspired it. Uh, I will never forget how fulfilled my soul felt when you just looked at us again and asked us how we were doing. We weren't doing so well. It wasn't just me. It was all of us, especially in Minneapolis. So I'm curious, where did that all come from, Ross asked. Burns started his response by asking, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm kind of tearing up with that one. It, to which Ross responded, I'm healing. Burns continued by explaining that with the video message the cast and crew was doing for the show's 25th anniversary, he wanted to send a message to Blues Clues viewers, not but not the kids of today, but to his friends that continue right where he left off with his abrupt departure for college on the show in 20, uh, 2002. 
I said, I don't want to talk to, to the kids. I want to talk to my friends, he said, to cheers from the crowd. The kids don't know who I am. I wanted to continue the conversation that we started 25 years ago and do it in the same way, do it with respect, sincerity, immediacy. I needed that message as much as anyone else at the time. He said was very sincerely checking in and showed that social media can be used for good. Um, yeah. He, he's a, he's, you know, yeah, just nice guy, a good guy for sure. And a, 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 you know, amazing moment really at that event there. I have a feeling that that's going to probably be a, a, a more highly attended event in the future. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Now, I tried to get the woman who wrote this next article on the air with us today because I have had a bit of an interesting day of interactions. I'll get to that in a second. But let me read the story. This is from the Minnesota Reformer. On Tuesday, voters in more than two dozen Minnesota school districts will elect school board members who will decide if their students will have the freedom to read books that tell an honest history of race and racism in America, books like mine. During my 25 years on the faculty at McAllister College, I've written more than 100 books for high school students. Two years ago, four of them were added to a list of more than 850 books that uh, allegedly violated the new Texas law designed to limit how race-related subjects are taught in public schools. The legislation and others like it, including two bills introduced by Republicans in the Minnesota legislature in 2021, have appeared in red state legislators with the goal of combating so-called spread of critical race theory. Critical race theory is the idea that racism is embedded in the legal systems and is not limited to individuals. It is an academic discipline taught at university level, but has become a catch-all phrase on the right to include anything about race taught in public schools. And that's the the truth. And by the way, can I just say this? There's insane levels of racism in the system (laughs) embedded in the legal system. What are you talking about? Jaleel Stallings. Not only beaten in the street by cops who opened up on open fire on him without identifying who they were, but then the system who had the body cam footage that showed he had done nothing wrong was still trying to get him to take an eight-year plea deal up until he was found innocent in a court of law. And then that system, what did they do? We don't think that the body cam footage should be shown to anybody. And when they finally had it, we want people's attitudes to be held in check here. Of course there is racism in the system. And the reality is the reason why racist jackasses keep screaming about critical race theory is because they know there's a racist bias in the system and they don't want to change that. Word. These proposed new laws often state that the teacher cannot require or make part of a course. The idea is that once race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex, or that someone is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive based on their race or sex. I mean, it goes so far as to say that you to criticize someone uh, like, um, oh, I don't know, um, you know, Robert E. Lee, that if you do that, that you you are basically that's unfair because he, you know he was he, he was just he was just fighting for the Confederacy at the time, and yeah no that that no yeah he seems I mean he had slaves, he did whip his slaves he did torture his slaves, he had slaves. By the way, I do want to make sure I mention this is from Duchess Harris, who's a professor over at McAllister, was not able to join us today. I wanted to chat with her about this excellent piece. 
um, my book, Protesting uh, Police Violence in Modern America, which I wrote in 2021 in response to the murder of George Floyd, does not suggest that one race is inherently superior, nor does it suggest that anyone is inherently oppressive. Once again, boo-boo kitty feelings of racist. You're talking about black issues and I don't like it. That's me. Those are These are my ad- – I'm adding on the commentary on this one. Despite this, the 48-page text has an entry on booklooks.org, the preferred reference website for Moms for Liberty and other groups intent on restricting what students may read. Why is this a problem? According to the group of concerned, quote, parents, in quotes, on page 27, there is a map with two discussion questions. This map shows some of the countries where around the world where demonstrations protested the death of George Floyd in early June. Why do you think the issue is so important to so many people? What might be the map suggest about racism around the world? I have no idea why anyone would find this to be a problem. The parents who wrote the list don't explain why they think students should not have this discussion. Because it's not about the book. It's about the fact that the book features a just a perspective that shows that there is a problem in the system. And they don't want to fix the problem in the system. If they could answer – hey, if, if they could answer the question, they're not doing that. Um, I have no idea when anyone would have a problem with this issue. People often ask me why I write books for high school students. The answer is simple. Too many of the college students who have taken my American studies and political science classes are not prepared for the basics. My faculty colleagues who teach calculus do not have to worry if their students will arrive on campus with the proper academic training. But if I teach a course about the civil rights movement, for example, rarely does a student know about black Americans' involvement during World War II. This is because few high schools teach this material. Actually, after if I could add, for the people, the play I saw, which was about Native American issues, once again, I told my wife, I cannot believe we still to this date, they're fixing this now, but the fact that we haven't talked about Native American, you know, the story of the Native Americans at all in schools today, and when you suggest that they do that, they are furious about that. But this basic knowledge of our nation's past is not just for students who expect to go to college. Many Minnesotans and people around the world were shocked by George Floyd's violent death. For those who knew the story of Emmett Till, however, there was less surprise. And for those who did not learn about the 14-year-old's abduction, torture, and lynching in Mississippi in 1955, it was likely not their fault. There are just six books written about Emmett Till for students in grades 4 through 12. How can we raise informed citizens and be informed ourselves if we cannot discuss the killings of George Floyd and Emmett Till in our schools? In Minnesota... We like to think we are different, but make no mistake, these are there are candidates running for school boards in the Twin City suburbs who would join the book banning craze, and that is hit other states if given the opportunity. As we have seen elsewhere, the campaign playbook often involves being a champion of parental rights, quote unquote. You are, if you're wondering what these candidates might be, the Voters Guide for the Minnesota Parents Alliance could be a good place to start. You can also check the candidate roundups and local news sources through many candidates refuse to talk to reporters. That's a clue they're hiding something. The challenges and chilling effects that banning books about race and gender now have had on teachers in Florida, Texas, Alabama, North Dakota, Iowa, even Wisconsin are real and damaging to students. If it can happen, Minnesota too, but only if Minnesotans let it happen. Amen. This is not about the. Okay. Do you remember when. Who was that clown car senator? When they decided to, to basically just acknowledge the area where Fort Snelling is at as Bedote went nuts saying, how dare you put the name on there as opposed to the historic name? And it was at that point people pointed out, well, Bedote is actually 
the long, more historic name for the area around Fort Snelling. And we actually kind of say a version of that already because the French translated Bedote for the English and it became out as Mendota. So we actually say a, va- a variation of Bedote, but heaven forbid it's not, it's not Whitey World. And, and, and that's kind of the thing. That's what you're looking at. An irrational fear generated by people who want this irrational fear to drive people to help them whatever their goals may be, generally politics, that anything that basically explains murder or discrimination or racism of a minority group, Native American, African American, any of the groups, is somehow, some way diminishing the white story first and foremost. Because even though in these cases white people did the damage, they don't want that to be taught. It should not be a surprise that this whole thing originated with the families of we've all seen those pictures from the the 1950s and 60s of white people attacking blacks at 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 soda fountain counters in the south it should not be a surprise to anyone that those people are now older and their kids are now older and they're downright embarrassed by this so they're trying desperately to basically remove that little bit of history until they're gone or else try to get it changed well they need to understand those black people need to be put in their place and that's kind of where this is all coming from if you talk about the racism then it's unfair because the racism was so bad and perpetrated by the white population over all minorities, there really is no other way to tell it outside of we have some freaking reckoning to do here. So that's what this is all about. These book bans, this trying to shut people up, this when they say woke or they say critical race theory, it's basically to say stop talking about the injustices perpetrated on the minority populations by the white predominantly male population because we have our widow feelings are getting hurt. As a white guy, to all you white people out there that are terrified of people finding out the truth, screw you, okay? (laughs) Dear Lord. But it gets better. I'll talk about this when I do come back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. So earlier today, and it's funny because I get people that come up and tell me, ask me about, oh, what are you, who are you going to vote for in this, in this race? Now, the first thing is, well, unless you're in Hopkins – uh, either the, the city of Hopkins or in the school district of Hopkins, my vote is irrelevant to you because that's where I vote. I can't tell you. I don't have the time to do the research on every one of these communities. You need to do your own research. Find out about your school board candidates in there. And I told you, I mean, I've told you that you know there are a lot of people that try to trick people into voting for school board candidates, and that is going on right now. Now. I will to friends. I will share who I'm going to vote for in any, any, any given race. I'm not going to do that here. But what I say is this: is I get asked recommendations for various school board races. There's usually a local former roundtable we can find out information about your races. If you basically type in Robbinsdale, you know, City Council. And I don't forgive me, Robbinsdale. I don't know if you actually your city council's up for election this year, but you can type in Robbinsdale City Council. 
someone usually has done a roundtable or at least a questionnaire and put it together for you, and you can find that, and you can get more information about the candidates. And I, I'd highly encourage you to go do that. All right. Now, that being said, school board candidates are a little more tricky. But I can give you one big red flag for me. If a school board, and I wrote this in the tweet, one huge red flag. If you have a candidate endorsed by the Minnesota Parent Alliance, I would avoid them like the plague. Now, the, the, the Parent Alliance group, they seem to be somewhat tied to the Moms for Liberty. And that's the group that basically has, you know, talked positively about the Nazis and Hitler. Yeah, don't know what I think about that. Now, I'm not saying that about any individual school board candidate. I don't know that that's all individual, but that's that's my big red flag there. And the thing that's just funny is that if you do go to their website, you and I do highly recommend you find out which school board candidates you should not vote for. And you know, if you agree with them, fine, that's your that's your right, but you know, I think a lot of people would not want these people on their school boards. Because what they do is they all seem to have the exact same bio. I'm here for academic standards. 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 Well, everyone's here for academic standards. And you can try to imply that they're not, but no, everyone wants to have better schools. That's that's a given. What they don't want to talk about is some of the other things that these groups have kind of pushed forward, which are things like book bans in school libraries or go on out some groups have gone out there and and pushed for the idea of of going back to that those school districts that were basically protecting the rights of the bullies over the bullied and allowing people to bully kids to death like that was some sort of great success definitively wanting to stop all lgbtq rights within school districts want to rein in teachers prevent them from saying things they don't like and for some strange reason and this is the one i i do love Act like you should have control of your kid's classroom. And and I'm going to just say this once again. You already do. You can pretty much walk into any public school, find out what the curriculum is going to be. And if there's something that you disagree with, your teachers will work with you in making sure that your child is not subjected to that. Easy peasy. But these people are really pushing. And so you need to find out. The last thing you need to do is all of a sudden find out, wait a minute, all those school board candidates, they're all basically uh, pushing to to uh, ban half the books in the library. You don't want to find out too late that you put the wrong school board candidates on there. So educate yourself. Find out who you should vote for. And for God's sakes, go out there and vote. I mean, I want to remind you down in the Hastings School District, there were basically parents who were vilifying a child in the school district, beating up on an eight-year-old verbally to basically get themselves into the school board race. And they did it anonymously, and it was found out too late to stop them. But that's the kind of horrible human being you can get on a school board, is someone who goes and looks at an eight-year-old and say, I'm going to turn them the villain of the story even though they're running for a position where they're supposed to look out for the care and safety of that said eight-year-old. So it's not, it should not be a surprise for you. The minute I posted this, all of a sudden troll world opened up. And I start getting these trolls that are coming. I was like, why are you against academic standards? Matt, why are you against getting better schools? Matt. So I started looking at every one of these people's timelines. I mean, it is a right-wing fantasy world. It tells you everything you need to know. 
that when I went out there and I took and I said I'd be very concerned about any candidate who was endorsed by the Minnesota Parent Alliance, that immediately I got inundated with a bunch of trolls defending them. And the trolls timeline read like a Moms for Liberty fantasy novel. Really white, by the way. Uh, that's if you're just wondering about that. Just it was bizarre. You know, here are the books I want to ban. Here are, you know, all these kids need to be thrown out of the schools unless they are uh, they go by the gender they were born under, that sort of stuff. I mean, really aggressive, horrible things. And these were the people that were defending the, 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 the you know, the, the candidates by the Minnesota Parents Alliance. Once again, Parent Alliance, this is like I said, you need to go educate yourself, but... No one's going to come out there and tell you right now, I'm going to ban books, unless it's like the most far-right district in the state. No one's going to come on out and say something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to basically make being LGBTQ in the schools illegal. No one's going to say that. But there's enough warning signs where you can kind of tell the road that some of these people are going to go down. So vote tomorrow very cautiously. Broadcorp, Michael Broadcorp. Uh, we got to talk some Viking stuff. We'll talk election stuff too uh, with him when we do return. 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. It is a post-Vikings day. That means Michael Broadcorp, our political guy from the right, usually joins us to talk about Vikings football as well as a little bit of politics as well. Michael, let's just be begin with this one. This is a weird game we won yesterday. I have to tell you, my friend, it was bizarre. I, I, for, for those that don't follow me on social media, I was driving back from Iowa during the game, uh, a family fell asleep halfway during the first quarter. They did not wake up until the final few minutes of the fourth quarter. That entire game, I had to bite my lip, not make a peep because they were sleeping. It was the most bonkers game I've ever listened to and have experienced as a Vikings fan. And I've seen a lot. I've seen the Vikings get blown out. I was there when the Vikings came back. Would down more points than everyone else. Uh, yesterday's game was simply amazing to listen to. I'm more than a few people. Patrick texted me right away. He's like, I can't even believe that game. Uh, okay, so for everyone up there to catch everyone up to date. So the, what happened is, of course, Kirk Cousins. Uh, the the, the uh, he has the Achilles injury, so he's had the surgery. He's gone for the rest of the season. We have a backup, a BYU quarterback named Jared Hall, who goes in. He's our starter. We traded earlier this week for the backup quarterback from Arizona, Joshua Dobbs. We have him on the bench. Apparently, he hasn't learned anything about the system. He's basically very green in the Minnesota system. Jared Hall goes out there. Let's quickly talk about him because although he went out with a concussion hit. Um, he was looking. He was five for six. His quarterback rating is one eighteen. I'm like, okay, maybe we got some gold here. Yeah, I mean, he was he was involved in two series. Uh, he distributed the ball well. Uh, completed five of six passes for seventy eight yards. He had a big forty seven yard pass to Alexander Madison yep. um, and set up a, a you know a kind of a, a first and goal situation. But as others have noted that's where uh, things went downhill very quickly. 
He comes on out, and a question for you, and you saw it. I don't know if you've seen the video replay of it because you were driving when you did. I don't think the Atlanta guy was trying to hit him in the head. Uh, it was a helmet-to-helmet hit that really knocked him out. And, of course, with, if you're knocked out in the field, you're gone for concussion protocol. Uh, I, did you see the video? Did you, did you think the Atlanta guy— I did guy, see the video. Uh, I, I did see the video, and I'm in agreement agree with you. I, you know, I, I just don't think um, that that was intentional. Not to say that it doesn't happen in the league, but I viewed it the same way that, that you that you did it, and I don't think it was intentional, but it's, he certainly got his bell rung. So as they cracked open the special export on the Minnesota sidelines at this point, they passed the board. The clipboard goes to Joshua Dobbs, who does one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen for a guy that did not know the playbook, hardly knew any of the plays, hardly knew any of the names of the coaches or the players. He goes on out there. He's 20 for 30. His quarterback rating is 101.8, and he leads the Vikings to a 31-28 victory at Atlanta the most unprobable victory I think I've ever seen the Vikings ever get. You're spot on. If you if just to be consistent with where we're at, we had discussed earlier this earlier this season that the Tampa Bay game was a game that the Vikings should have won, and that they needed to win some games. They were losing some opportunities to win, to, to running out of some real estate and some flexibility to lose some games. Yesterday was a big surprise, and, and I, I think. People were cautiously optimistic. There was certainly an opportunity for the Vikings to win coming into the game. The Falcons are just not a good team. No, they're not. But boy, oh boy, I don't want to take anything away from Josh Jobs. It was remarkable what he did. I will say to you, probably the most impressive play by the Vikings yesterday and by Josh Jobs was the two point conversion. Yes. Uh, we have not, I think we've, I think we've tried one once this season. Um, and he was able to pull it off. And as I was listening to the play-by-play coverage, you know, they were discussing that it was very likely, very unlikely that any time was spent getting into, you know, those type of plays when this guy's only been around for five games. And so for the Vikings, for Dobbs to be able to get that two-point conversion, which tied the game, I believe, at that point, really – led me on the car ride back to myself, there's a real opportunity they can do this today. They could, and he scrambles out to the right. The pocket collapses. He scrambles out to the right, and you're right. That was literally all you receivers go out. <laughs> that was it. And um, the pass he made, and here's another very good sign about Joshua Dobbs, that pass for the two-point conversion was pristine. That was a Kirk Cousins pass. That was on the numbers in a spot. The only place I could get it was the Viking, and it was as he's falling to the ground, placed perfectly. That was a very solid pass. It was it was great. And you mentioned Kirk Cousins, and I just want to say something very briefly. I know I've been, you know, somewhat hard on him over the over the last, you know, year or so and talking with you. But you know, there's been some amazing videos that have come out this week of, of Kirk Cousins you know, reading fan letters, yes. uh, him showing up on the side, you know, showing up, uh, you know, day, a day or so after surgery, signing autographs. This guy, uh, obviously he wasn't there down in, in, in Atlanta yesterday, but Kirk Cousins has shown tremendous heart, tremendous dedication, and has, and has shown a tremendous sense of vulnerability and his continued commitment to not only the Vikings, but the state of Minnesota. And I just wanted to take a second just to acknowledge it's got. I can't imagine what he's going through, but he seems he seems to be uh, such, showing such a human side of himself 
that I think is really endearing himself more and more to the Minnesota Vikings fan base, even though he's not on the field throwing balls like we all want him to be. Yeah, at that fan fest out there signing autographs as he's on the cast mobile. Um, that was, you know, that was his, you know, he, he's, he clearly wants to stay here. He clearly wants a contract here. It, you know, his situation is somewhat tragic. You know, you, you come off an injury like this, there's definitely not going to be the interest on in other teams to, there, but it seems like he knows that he wants to come back and he's doing the things he needs to do to show the community that, you know what, no, I'm committed here, which you're right. I mean, there's been some really nice videos of him this week. And we discussed, you and I discussed that scenario, I believe, last week, which is what happens to Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I think that you and I came to the conclusion, and I don't know that you know Vikings management and leadership is, is, is listening to our discussions and is going to take it into account. <laughs> but I think you and I both came to the conclusion that if, there, if there's an opportunity for him to play somewhere, it was likely going to be Minnesota. And I think what he's doing is sincere. I think it's, it's, it's sincere. It's also showing a commitment to the Vikings. It would not surprise me if he was picked up for another year um, because of his commitment to this team. And we'll see what happens. But, boy, oh, boy, what a great victory yesterday for the Vikings. And to think, Matt, the Vikings are 5-4. and four. they yes. got a playoff spot right now. Yes, they are. They're the 17. Uh, Ty- Taylor Heineke, uh, Heineke the uh, quarterback for the Falcons, his quarterback rating was 75.3. So, you know, we ended up getting in the better end of that deal. I want your thoughts, though, on – okay, so you go into these games. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, you're going into this game, you know, initially until Cousins gets hurt last week, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've got a pocket passer who throws with accuracy and he can throw with, with power. Well, that changes. Okay, what do we know about Jaron Hall? Okay, he's a slightly mobile quarterback, but he's a rookie. He's not going to be doing that much. Then comes in Joshua Dobbs. A lot of Atlanta's failures yesterday seem to encompass around the idea they did not have any game game plan in place. And this is not a criticism of them because you know this is the third you know the, this is the the third quarterback in two weeks for them. But they did not have a game plan in place for a scrambling quarterback. And Joshua Dobbs has enough experience to where he saw some, you know, there there were some lanes that opened up, and he he got a touchdown on one of them. He got first downs on some of them. He he became a weapon himself, and there was no one. The Atlantic defensive game plan had no one to basically keep an eye on a running quarterback like Joshua Dobbs. That definitely played into our, our, our win yesterday. I would agree with you, and I think that they were you – know, Atlanta's not a great team, but but – Obviously, planning, you know, a couple weeks ago, planning for Cousins to be there, and then to have that change, the Vikings were able to throw, I think, enough curveballs into that game, uh, baseball reference into football, but they were able to throw enough curveballs into that game where where Dobbs was able to just throw off uh, the uh, Atlanta defense, and uh, it was a great game. It was exciting to listen to. You know, there were a number of opportunities, I think, for, you know, some, some bad plays by the Vikings in terms of, you know, uh, fumbles and also, you know, interception opportunities that, that, you know, kind of went through the hands. There's a lot that the Vikings still need to work on, but coming out of Atlanta with a W under the circumstances that this team is in and encountered and being five and four is simply remarkable. Yeah. Which brings up the interesting question. Okay, you got the Saints in town next week uh, on Sunday. 
you've got a – the question here is I guarantee you the Saints are going to have a game plan to factor in a – you know, a Tavares Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Dobbs is Tavares Jackson. He's a very good scrambler, but a scrambling quarterback. You're going to have a you're going to have a floating linebacker basically keeping an eye on him. If you're the Vikings and Jaron Hall clears concussion protocol, considering this, you've got a tag team here, and you and I yeah. have talked about what do we do. We were we were saying go through these first two games, see what we got. We got a quarterback with a 101.8 rating, a quarterback with a 118.8 rating. Granted, limited limited evaluation here. But I don't have any problem with, you know, either changing out series or even changing out on 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 individual plays, starting to switch these quarterbacks around and really start getting some defenses, some fits because this could end up being a good formula to go forward that band-aid you and I were talking about last week. Oh, absolutely! This, you know, there is a real opportunity for the Vikings now to 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 get a good in these in these games. I mean, they have. I mean, they have eight games left. There's a real opportunity for the Vikings to. First of all, I think they're in a position where they could easily win six, six, seven, all of their remaining games. That's not off the radar screen. I think it's a high bar, but there certainly is a scenario where they could see that happen. And with the multiple quarterbacks they have now, there's there's some real estate for them to, to develop both of those quarterbacks and see where to go. I will say to you that I think Dobbs showed, I think, more just from what I wa- listened to on the car right back and what I saw on TV. I think he showed more stability, more um, comfort on the field. And so I do think that Dobbs is is likely, I don't think this has been announced, but probably is would likely be the starter yes. for Sunday. Um, but I think they've got some options here. And why not take advantage of the opportunity that they that they have? Oh, yeah. They're five and four. They're in a playoff position. And they have a very, I would say, the softest part of their schedule. And there's opportunities for them to still make the playoffs. And if they win a couple games, particularly with Detroit, which is not an easy task, Vikings could still win the division. They're only two games out. They're two games out of first place in the NFC North, and they still have two games against the Lions, who are in leading the division. No, and and you know you, you look at this, and first of all, we have to mention the Hall has to clear concussion protocol. He he might not Correct. even be available at that point, so we we have to see how he does. Uh, but I agree with you, Dobbs. Is I think is going to be the guy there. I mean, if he does clear it, you are going to create some fits, especially with some of these teams. Here's your problem now. Hey, I love I love romancing the schedule like anyone else. At the Bengals on twelve seventeen, <laughs> at the Lions January seventh. Those would be big asks. Uh, I'm I'm also a little concerned about that at the Raiders game on the tenth of December. But I mean, I think that they. I'm right now. If this isn't a fluke, if this is if this is not just a a, a, a vision, there's a you know a mist. If there is actually something there, I see the Vikings making the playoffs this time. Correct, and I just want to be clear. I think I think eight and eight. I think going out is not is is a tough bill of sale. I don't want to over romance the schedule, as you said. I do think, as I said, winning six, maybe winning five. I mean, if we're sitting in a situation where the Vikings win, you know, six, five or six of their last games, I mean, that is that puts them in the playoffs. Yep, that puts them in a position to win. And and where we were, Matt, a couple weeks ago, where we were zero and three. And where we are today, 
is quite remarkable. The Vikings have won four games in a row, and that is the best in uh, the NFC. Uh, uh, yeah, the Vikings are the only team in the NFC that have won four games in a row, and their second, the Ravens have won four in a row in the AFC, and the Jaguars have won uh, five in a row. And so the Vikings in the NFC, nobody's there's no hotter team right now in the NFC in terms of the last four games in the Minnesota Vikings. Yep, there it is. And who would have thought that three weeks ago? No, four weeks ago. I agree with you. There was a, two weeks ago, there was a lot more people going to church than usual. And now I That's think, right. I think, I, I think that this is a, it's a very interesting thing. It's, it's, it's definitely going to end up being one of the more fascinating seasons. And I hope there's someone, a documentarian crew that's following them around because there's going to be a movie after this. I guarantee it. Uh, that's going to be one if, last point. Sure. I want to make about Dobbs is he's an aerospace engineer. And I think we would be remiss in saying that the, current quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings uh, went to the University of Tennessee and he majored in aerospace engineer. I mean, that is we literally have potentially a rocket scientist as our quarterback. That's that's the, I'll take. I, I like the brainy guys. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. All right, yes. we'll check in with you. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll talk to you about that because I, we might have to talk next Tuesday. I'll get to. I'll talk to you about that uh, in a little bit. But one thing I wanted to ask you here before, since I got your political mind here as well, uh, election day tomorrow, mainly school boards, city council races. Anything out there that's uh, really on your your radar right now that you're paying attention to? Yeah, I'll be curious what happens in, in, in the school board races. I think they've got a lot of attention this cycle, and I think that's where the, the races are going to, I think where the races are going to be focused on, I think is the school board races. I think nationally, uh, we'll see what happens, but I think right now in Minnesota, I think the real fight is over some school board elections, which, you know, I'm, you know, I encourage everyone to vote Democrat, Republican, Independent, make sure you vote. One of the things that I think has been interesting this year, uh, and we can obviously disagree about the information that's out there and which perspective it is, but what there's certainly been much more of an enhanced awareness in school board elections. Yes. And that's good to see. School board elections are a down-ballot race in, in other years, and it's good to see that level of enthusiasm and interest, d- despite sometimes the political agendas on both sides, but that they're getting that attention and we're getting those type of discussions. And it's just good to see. Well, and I'll make the point, too. City council races, school board races, they affect you far more than really presidential elections do. This is your day-to-day, your roads, your sewer, your water. These are things you need you know, every day. And I think that there's – I'm, I'm glad that these races are becoming more popular. And we're actually, in Minnesota, we get good turnouts for them because these are the ones that really are your bread and butter as far as your day-to-day life. You're absolutely correct, and let's not forget, Matt, that Election Day is tomorrow, so make sure everybody votes. Yep. But after that, we're going to have a special election in uh, a special election in, in Egan, and uh, you know it's a good it's a good DFL seat, but there's going to be a special election in Egan, so uh, that primary is coming up, and, and uh, there's even after Election Day, once again, we're going to have some other election business to talk about uh, in in my local area, along with Vikings coverage. I think you're going to have some things to talk about in the Minneapolis City Council race tomorrow. I'll just, I'll just say, I just think right, I'll add it to my watch list. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, once again, uh, the politics. We'll get the list of the podcast a little bit down, uh, later on, as well as also we'll check in you ne- with you next week about the Viking Saints, as well as as once again there is bright sunshine on what was at one time a cloudy day. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. 
Thank you as all through. Let's keep up our good luck. Yeah, well, it's hopefully, hopefully. Uh, we'll take a break, wrap up the show when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Patrick knows football better than I do. Uh, I mentioned the uh, two, possibly a two-quarterback solution that you switch them out during the game. You actually brought up a good quote from the past on that. Yeah, John Madden had a quote that if you have two quarterbacks, that really means you have no quarterbacks. And I know I'm sure that's part of that is, uh, you know, looking at I, – I, I can't find the words to find where I'm going with that. But, you know, I, I think it's better if you just have one guy and say, this is our quarterback – you know, about, but it is a different situation, yes. though. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have Kirk Cousins there, and you know, maybe it's not an equal time sort of thing that Dobbs you go with Dobbs for as the primary because I think you would agree that he earned the right to start next game, right? I think he absolutely did, and I and you yeah. and Michael didn't talk about this, but we, what kind of got lost in it was just how bad he was to start out because obviously he never played with any of these guys before and I mean it was really bad to start out with the the sack in the end zone the fumble um I mean we forgot about all of that now but it just kind of even shows how much more impressive this really was because because it's a weird game you know and I'm not gonna I don't want to steal a lot of time with a rant about this but I don't know if I've ever been prouder of an effort Wow. Than, than that, that wow. they were, you know, and you've listened and you've listened to this show, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Patrick. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was talking about the Vi- the, the Vikings game, like a man with but... a concussion. Let's continue on with the Matt McNeil show. <laughs> but, but uh, so they were, you know, down all day with a quarterback who had been in the building five days. They took a bunch of bunch more injuries during the game to yep. key players. It was just kind of. You know, and even then, you know, when it looks like, okay, Atlanta took the lead with, you know, two minutes left, you're like, okay, we're not coming back from this. Well, it's, it is kind of one of those things where, yeah, we'll have to see where this goes. Really quick here, I wanted to touch on Trump's uh, testifying here. Uh, the, the, the thing is funny is that the Trump, they're trying, Trump lashes back at these. Trump sounded like a guy who was cornered, who could not get away from the, the truth. He lashed out at at the judge, at the the district attorney. He lashed out at everyone. He tried to make a campaign speech from the witness stand, but the reality is he sounded like a freaking idiot. He's he even admitted, "Yep, I valued all the properties, which were overvalued and were used to get fraudulently get loans." And he kept trying to he kept trying to make the argument that every one of these reports had this disclaimer on it which basically said, hey, this entire report is a lie. You need to do your own research. And he thinks that that is something that can, is his get-out-of-jail card. He apparently, he was on the stand, he pulled out, can I read this into the record? And they said, no, you can't. And and he's like, because it's irrelevant. You come to a point where you have to do your actual financials. You cannot lie about them. You lied about them. And you're finally being held accountable. And the pretty little former president had a little temper tantrum. Oh, boy, little boo-boo kitty. Uh, Native Roots Radio is up next. We're back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.